0: Hi everybody this is phil town
1: and this is danielle town
0: and welcome to the 300th invested podcast <laughs> <laughs> i always like to say what we do here in case you just jumped in but oh lord if you haven't figured it out by now but okay, go back to will. episode one yeah, that's what one... pretty
1: much everybody does
0: <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so I guess we can just repeat it endlessly that i think
1: you've got to say it for the 300th episode but a short version please
0: okay so what we do here what i'm doing here and what daniel's doing here is i am trying to teach her how to do the kind of investing that i've been doing for 40 years which the world calls value investing pretty much but warren buffett uh and charlie munger and ben graham are the authors of it all the, uh, the guys who developed it, and they don't think it's value investing. They just think it's investing, and there isn't any other kind of investing. And today we're going to talk about another guy who thinks the exact same thing. I'm so happy that he does <laughs> because Danielle doesn't agree with me that all other things are not investing, including you guys putting money in your 401K uh, and diversifying it massively across ETFs and and all sorts of indexes and, and 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 I believe Danielle you think that's invested.
1: I don't even know what you're dis- ascribing to me right now. <laughs> so I'm just going to pretend like you're not saying it, which is what I generally <laughs> do. So t- whatever he says, I believe just don't believe it.
0: <laughs> oh no. All right. <laughs> but we can we can,
1: if you want if you want to talk about whether or not certain kinds of uh putting money in financial instruments is investing or not we can definitely talk about that but oh, what we're gonna so, do today again. guys can it's i can good, i go it's on it's
0: good to know that we're starting the three hundred exactly the way we started the first time <laughs> <laughs> right That's go true. on go on what's Fine. that phrase Embarrass me begin as you mean my... to go on yes go on
1: um Actually, I, by the way, just on that, I do think that your opinion is well argued by Lee Lu in this article. And, um, right. and yet at the same time, magically, I feel like he also supports my opinion about what investing is. So he really has managed to be the most diplomatic person on the face of the earth
0: <laughs> well, in more ways
1: than one, which we'll get to.
0: Since you have. Done this amazing rare agreement sort of. I just want to say, because now I can see we're out we're doing the podcast with video and back and forth, right? Which we've done zoom since we've been zooming and all. I just wanna say you are a beautiful woman. Oh, gosh. I, I just okay. wanna say that.
1: Everybody listening Okay. Thank you, Dad.
0: You're welcome. <laughs> and
1: Most people listen, Dad. This is the yes, we record the video now. Yeah. But most people listen.
0: I know and they can't see you, but I I really right just today you I'm so glad you're feeling good. It shows. Oh and, gosh, me too. Oh my gosh. You just look great. All right,
1: Fantastic. well now I have to say one more thing about that because it was so exciting yesterday. Dad, I haven't even told you this. Yesterday, mm-hmm. I got my bike out for the first time since I got covid at the end of August and put it on the trainer. And I rode my bike for 15 minutes, 15 whole minutes to a Peloton class, which was great. And it, I didn't even like, I just thought like, well, maybe I can do it. Maybe I can't. We'll see. And I felt like pretty good. And I literally started crying after oh. about. 11 or 12 minutes and oh. I just cried for the last few minutes of the class oh. and it yeah. just like it just meant so much to me and I didn't expect that and I think it's partially like you're exercising and it's just like the emotions come out um but I was just I was just like sobbing in the living room on the Honey, bike it's been um, such because a it's long, just been such hard a hard journey here journey yeah and I Oof. I honestly I didn't know until that moment that I wasn't really sure I would ever even be able to really like exercise. Again, not that 15 minutes is really like exercise, but it was for me yesterday and it will be for a while.
0: Oh, I'm so glad. I'm so so
1: glad. yeah, I am feeling better and slowly, 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 slowly coming back. Very
0: grateful that you're you're coming back. One, um, two steps forward, maybe one half a step back or something, but you're really, you're really moving forward and it's yeah. good, you're getting through it.
1: Well, so to celebrate our 300th episode and all the blessings that we have in our life of health and wealth and everything in between um we're gonna do a little prize giveaway everybody so i'm gonna run through this really quickly because we want to get to the the good stuff of Lu. but if you want to enter our prize giveaway you don't have to buy anything um very easy to do you just go to investedpodcast.com, and at the very top, it's going to take you to Rule One Investing automatically, because that's just what happens. And then you'll uh, but see to a thing. the Invested
0: page, it'll be the podcast page.
1: Exactly. The podcast page, and at the top, it'll say, what does it say? Click here for details, Invested Giveaway. And then you click on that, and um, the prizes are, there are three You can win a $100 Amazon e-gift card. You can win a signed copy of our book, Invested, which will be signed by my dad, unless you're a European person, and then it might be signed by me. Or you might get a digital version. Very complicated. Some way you will get a copy of Invested, and hopefully it'll be signed by one of us. (laughs) Um, And then the grand prize is a bundle of things. It's my bundle of the invested practice and the mostly invested course, which is all about the emotional side of investing and um, becoming really strong and feeling a master of your own emotions, which we talk about all the time on here. And the other side of that coin a free ticket to my dad's three-day virtual investing workshop so you will get all the stuff
0: basically which is which is by the way um a live workshop it's it has um gosh we put about a hundred and fifty people to work on the workshop to get everybody trained um, who's in the workshop and you'll be working in very small groups like six or seven people with a certified rule one coach who has been a student in the past, then became a very successful investor, then went through about a one year certification process, which is a huge thing, uh, in order to be, uh, in order to have us be confident that this person can actually coach you in, uh, from where you are to where you want to go. Um, and it's a, it's a powerful workshop that we don't sell anything there. We don't do anything except, Train you in the concepts we talk about here on the website. On that
1: the Three podcast.
0: Yeah. <laughs> on the website. On the podcast. Boy, man, when you have multiple social media, you know. Oh, yeah. And you're, you're old. You're so important, Dad. <laughs> You're <laughs> old. You just go, oh. Huh? So. Go to that page. If
1: you're interested in any of those things, what you do have to do in order to enter is just leave us a voice message and the spot to leave that voice message is right there on that page. It can be short. It can be long. You can ask us a question, whatever you want. And then the uh, the winners will be chosen randomly. The end. Yeah. Okay.
0: Randomly. All right. Just randomly. We'll... Randomly. You don't have to do anything. Just do it. I mean, click in.
1: What can I tell you? And you this just... is what we're doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, and then we're going to play the winners audio messages um, next week. So what we asked you guys to do if you want uh, last week is check out this speech that an investor called Li Lu gave in China um, in Chinese, which I don't know if that is Mandarin or Cantonese or uh, a different language. It just says Chinese on the page They've trans somebody has translated this into English. You can find this speech on Lilu's funds website, which is called Himalaya Capital. And if you go on there, if you're interested in reading it after you've listened to this uh, podcast, you can go on there and go, oh gosh, I don't have it in front of me, but click around. It's like it's like resources or something like that. and, um, and the speech is right at the top. And it's called The Prospect of Value Investing in China. It was from October 23rd, 2015. So this talk, Dad, you started telling me about it last week. And you were talking about it in the context of only one part, which was the various um, financial assets and what the growth over time has been comparing um cash stocks gold uh GDP but I really wanted to read the whole thing because it sounded so interesting and I'm so glad that I did because
0: yeah did you read all the stuff about the integrity of a financial advisor and of course how, I mean it's shocking when when he puts it the way he puts it to this group of people who presumably are going to go out and advise people about investing and um and of course Lilu has, our, uh, you know, shares our view. He learned directly from Buffett and, and is, I think, a very close friend of Charlie Munger. I think he lives in Pasadena in order to be near Charlie.
1: I think he lives in Seattle.
0: Oh, uh, he might have, he might be. I, may, okay. I, I really don't know. But um, he presents this view to these Chinese students that I think is so right on that basically Of all the professions you could get into, of all the things people could study to be a professional in college, right? You can be a dentist and you can be a car mechanic and get certified to do that in, you know, training school. You can, right? Any place where you really have a professional credential, everyone understands their products deeply. I mean, that's what they do, right? I mean, I I have a professional come over here. as a good friend of mine to take care of our heating and air conditioning systems and you know, he's investing in carrier. I mean, he, I mean, he deep, deep into his own subject, obviously, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. except for financial advisors who, Lu correctly asserts, know nearly nothing about what they are putting people into.
1: Hmm. It's just That's amazing. an interesting take. That's not the take, uh, that's not the take that I, uh, that I got. What I got is, I quote him, users in this industry don't know anything about its products and how to discern their quality, which to me means people buying financial services don't know anything about what they're buying. But you took it the other way.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't have it right in front of me, but yeah, I, I read it that he was basically saying, if you know, financial advisors by and large are salespeople. They're trained as salespeople. They don't know what it is they're, they're putting people into. And as a result, you end up with this in what, what people call investing, um, that financial advisors do for you is simply spreading your money all over kingdom come because they don't have a clue about yeah, how to actually I'm invest. not
1: sure that's what he's saying. I mean, he goes on to say, um, he compares it to. A car owner, a restaurant goer, a hotel guest. So he's not talking about people who operate the hotel, people who operate the restaurant, people who make the cars. He's talking about people who buy, who buy the services. He says a car owner, restaurant goer, hotel guest can pretty much tell how good the product and/or service is once he experiences it. However, this is not so in the asset management industry. Most of the time, consumers have no way of judging whether a product is good or bad and cannot determine whether a service is superior or inferior.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And I really, I really uh-huh. like.
0: Except grab- you forgot the next sentence. I don't think I forgot it. Go ahead. Not only consumers and investors, but also the professionals, including some of the top players, Mm -hmm. find it difficult to discern the quality of product or service offered by other players, which is why the financial services industry is completely different from other service industries.
1: Right. So what I hear him saying is you as a financial professional may not understand what guy guy y guy x as a financial professional is doing you know what you're doing but you maybe don't know what some other guy is doing no
0: okay well i, think, I do think that's, i think that's that is what he's talking about he's aiming because he then goes on to say i mean come on if you if you can't tell how good someone else is doing um then it's really, impossible to evaluate it? them is do you even understand the products? In other words, here, here here, you get down to the bottom, which is that since people can't distinguish good products from bad ones in the industry, most investment theories are subject to the axiom where you sit determines how you think and what you say. So he he's basically saying people don't know what they've got. You They don't know a good thing from a bad thing, and that's not just the people who are buying it, but also the professionals who are selling it.
1: I do think he I do think he intimates that for sure, because the whole section is about how not only do consumers not get it because we don't have the ability, really, but also many times somebody doing well as a as a manager is because the whole market is doing well or is because of luck. And so he says very explicitly, even somebody who has been a manager for 10 years, Lee Lu, the, author, the speaker, would not be able to necessarily judge whether or not that person is actually good at what they do because he can't see what's in his portfolio. He does say, if I can know what's in the portfolio, then, after observing him over a very long period of time, I can make a judgment.
0: Right, I can do that, and I yeah. and I do do that. And in fact, we've talked about how a friend of mine wanted me to evaluate Bernie Madoff. Yeah, And I said, okay, great, send me over what he's been doing, and she couldn't. He he never provided anybody with any of that information. So it's a big that's a big red flag, right? If you can't dig in for a long period of time on what somebody's been doing, you really don't have a, any idea of whether they're good or not. Mm-hmm. And in fact, a lot of these investment professionals, Lee Lu goes on to say, um, believe half-truths and even fallacies. And many professionals themselves cannot distinguish truth from fallacy. And what he's talking about there, and just that real quick sentence, it's actually on page three if you're looking for it, Daniel, at the top of the page, is what he's talking about there is that Many many professionals. Uh, Charlie Munger says ninety five percent, not just many, m- almost all. Charlie says are you know you could compare them to witch doctors and and uh, and and that's because they believe in things that are simply not true, and they run their whole business on that basis. And mm-hmm. what they're believing that's not true, according to Lee Lu and Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett and me, and is this that they believe that somehow the stock market is this m- amazing place that perfectly prices everything that somehow they've decided you know standing away from it like academics do that the market's totally rational all the time nobody makes you know in general nobody you know in, in if you do the math of course you end up with a with a bell curve but in general people don't price things wrong
1: i mean yeah that's i think that's easily inferred it's not he doesn't not s- talk about that at all and yeah. i was really struck by this opening but I, but look at, section I, I have,
0: i've done i've written lots of things about Li Lu over the years and trust me he totally believes what i just said
1: this episode is brought to you by la quinta by window Your work can take you all over the place. Like Texas, you've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. I'm sure he does, but he did not say that in this speech. And I found that very interesting. This whole opening section is nothing but ethics. he makes a huge point twice really it's the same point said twice. The first one is make it your ethical your ethical obligation to seek truth and wisdom and the second one is be a really good fiduciary for your right. investors as though they were your own money or your parents' money, your family's lifetime of hard work and frugality. That's really the same point twice to me. and I was just I, I was just really struck that that's what he chose to say not the stuff about markets or mr market or ups and downs or theories of markets it, it was let's make sure i'm being clear about your obligations as potential financial professionals and then as i read through the the speech Uh, There's the whole middle part, which is interesting about the different asset classes that you mentioned. But the whole last part is about China and China's place with their financial markets and how they are um, coming up with the West, but lagging a little bit. And I realized this is my full opinion. I don't have any uh, proof of this, but my opinion is that he was trying to make a point about China without ever saying it. To me, this is the most brilliant middle ground I have ever seen somebody walk of trying to make a point to these students that they are in a corrupt system and they can be the ones to have truth, have honor, have a fiduciary duty to their clients. Um, and maybe change the system from within. And I I think he was also talking to China. I think he was also talking to the government. He was saying, if you can't create a reliable stock exchange with trustworthy information, you will not continue, you will not be able to do well against the West going forward. But he never actually said that. So (laughs) this is all just my conjecture. Um, but, I mean, if you read it with that lens, it's there. It's so there. And he, he gave this speech in China, like, on Chinese soil. And he was so careful never to say a single negative thing about the Chinese markets or about um, Chinese reporting of companies, which is, like, generally uh, considered to be full of false information. True. Sure. He never said that in this speech. Um, And I just, you know, I've been reading about it it just really struck me. This whole thing is about like trying to be better than the system you're in and also encouraging the government to do better without ever actually doing it, like without ever actually saying it. It's amazing. it,
0: It was a very careful tightrope walk. And you've just illuminated some things that I really didn't see. I knew he was walking a tightrope with regard to not criticizing China but emphasizing that if China is going to compete with Western civilization, which he calls civilization 3.0, mm-hmm. um, they have to. The only way they can do that, it, it doesn't matter about cultural and political factors. That's a really important thing. They don't have to become, you know, a free, democratic society. He's not saying that. He's not He's saying, saying that. that. What you have to do is you have to have, you have to, you have to be truthful about science and technology. And you have to have a free market, Mm -hmm. right? Those are the two things. And man, he says, that's the true essence of of Civilization 3.0, not democracy versus, you know, other kinds of government. So man, alive, that's really, really amazing. You sort of dug that other aspect out of it that I thought he was basically following along in the criticism of modern portfolio theory. And I think you have illuminated a whole nother thing here, which is that he's encouraging without being critical, the Chinese markets, the the information Mm -hmm. release, the, the, to be truthful so that um, advisors are not taking advantage of their investors
1: Mm-hmm. Um, Precisely, Pre- I think. I mean, this is my opinion. Really I don't cool. know if this is what he I meant, but see that,
0: but I see it now. But you
1: know where it, it? Like the first part, I was like, "Wow, that's really interesting." Like way to really hammer the ethical part of it, and then um, and then I got to the last part, and to me, the thing that jumped out when he says he calls he divides history, uh, or a different professor divided history. Into three. Oh no, he says, I divide human civilization into three eras. So he says, we're in the third era. Mm-hmm. And as you just said, the two causes of us being in this very high growth third era are modern science and technology and the free market economy. And I read that and I just thought like... Isn't he missing an entire third element, which is reliable government and reliable stock exchanges or not even stock necessarily, but reliable exchanges of investors? I mean, he considers Civilization 3.0 to have started around 1800, which just happens to be right when the New York Stock Exchange got going. And... Turned what was exchanges in Europe, which were filled with misinformation and no regulation. And I'm not saying the New York Stock Exchange started out perfect, but they got regulation going quickly enough to make it trustworthy amongst investors. And I, I just see that as a huge component of the free market economy being able to be monetized in this very high growth way. We can even see it in the last few years. I mean, we were just talking about this last time, few years, let's say last 10 years, with the internet and with individuals, retail investors, us coming in and buying more and more of, of stocks and companies and the huge difference that even just that influx of money has made to the growth of the stock market. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think, I pers- this is my opinion, that's a huge third component of yeah. uh, of his paradigm that he does not mention, and maybe that's because he doesn't agree with that, or maybe that's because he purposely left that out because it would have been critical of the Chinese system right now
0: and I think he's saying that even if China abandons their Their movement right over the last 35 years or so from civilization 2.5, as he calls it, where they are now, into civilization 3.0. Even if China abandons that, the iron law of civilization is that they can't abandon it forever. As you go to globalization, you have to go there. You, You get drugged there. Hmm. is kind of the way this works.
1: Or you get left behind, right? Like he mentions, like North Korea, um,
0: yeah, and a few other
1: states that have been isolated. Kind
0: of isolated, right. Mm-hmm. But that's so rare. And it doesn't last. And the long run, where we're looking at, you know, like 200-year long runs type thing, very Chinese, look very, very long term, it mm-hmm. doesn't last. You're overwhelmed by uh, these technologies in future, and you can't stay there. You can't stay where you were. And so he's basically saying as a value investor, you know, the kind of investing we talk about here as a value investor, you will reap the benefit of finding wonderful companies in China. He's talking to these Chinese guys, Mm -hmm. even if China doesn't do what they probably should do, even then, because you can take comfort knowing you can, you'll have this huge margin of safety and you know you can exit because you've got a margin of safety or you can stay with the with the companies and the value of this is that in China prices right now are dramatically disconnected from intrinsic value and that's that's just a wonderful place for us to go right i mean if if you're chinese you're in a you're in like a perfect situation to invest for the long term when everyone in china it seems like is on short-term trades even the institutional investors are on short-term trades and you end up with fewer competitors you've got a higher probability of success than doing this in other markets and so
1: yeah i think that is what he's saying he's definitely encouraging them
0: for sure definitely encouraging them so let's get to
1: the the asset discussion next time okay
0: okay good um let's just let's just say that the Im, the impact of this kind of investing even if all you did was do the index is so dramatically better for you in the long run than any other asset group it is stunning. I mean,
1: yeah, but I think we should get into that. I think we should talk I, about it.
0: Yeah, we definitely got to. I mean, it's just stunning. So I, I mean, just, so that's just the, the whole idea. middle
1: section. So if you guys didn't go read the speech, it's worth reading. If you don't feel like reading it, that's fine. Also. Um, and I think we should, uh, we should talk about that asset discussion next time. What do you okay. think,
0: dad? We'll talk about why it's a million to one better <laughs> than almost anything else it's so oh my cool. God! <laughs> all right here we go, Time to go play.
1: all right thanks everybody mm-hmm. bye. bye
0: hi guys thanks for listening to invested if you enjoyed this episode and you want more information or to listen to additional episodes visit our website at investedpodcast.com and sign up for my virtual workshop right there spots are definitely limited for this event i'm not kidding they really are they sell out very quickly So everything discussed on this podcast, by the way, is either my opinion or it's Danielle's opinion, and really important, it's not to be taken as investing advice, because I am not your financial advisor, nor have I considered your personal situation as your fiduciary. So remember that, you're on your own here. This podcast is for your entertainment and education only, and I really hope you enjoyed it.